Okay, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach Michael Hughes. Coach Hughes uh, was the defensive coordinator at Nitro High School this past season. He's a really bright young coach. I know you will enjoy listening to Coach Michael Hughes on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. All right, so Michael Hughes is back on the podcast coach Hughes welcome back hey thanks for having me man man it's always, it's always good to have you my friend uh you know I uh, I think you're one of the, the bright minds of football and I think uh, we can all learn a lot from you well, I don't know about that but <laughs> <laughs> so so catch the listener up um kind of about the season and how it went and you know obviously talk about positives and there's always challenges but uh kind of what you where you're at what you're doing yeah man so I mean last year I'm still down at Nitro High School last year we went I I call it one and nine technically on the records it was two and eight because of forfeit win but in my mind I don't count that which I guess I couldn't shouldn't count it as a loss either so we went one and eight uh you know just you talk about struggles, you talk about things that went well. Uh, I think across the board, there was good, there were bads. Uh, I think we played really good defense this year. Um, I switched it up. I've always been a four-down guy. I switched it up this year and kind of kind of drank the Kool-Aid, went to a 3-4, um, and I really liked it. Uh, I liked how simple – and you know me, and I think everyone that's listened to me before knows me that I'm all about simple. So with me, three, four, I boiled it down as much as I could. We we essentially had, I think, six fronts is all we ran all year. Oh, my um, God. So, and that's it. We had, a, we had a like a normal, just an even set with a four, zero, four. Uh, and then we went to a tight set. And then I could offset that zero tech to a one tech either side, whether strong or weak. And then we had uh, a couple five front packages where we walked those outside linebackers down. They were forced players started playing like a like a true defensive end. Um, but I think we played really good defense this year. Um, we were three four quarters, which is different than what I ran last year, uh, where we were a lot of cover one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nice to keep a cap on everything, and I I think that kept us in a lot of games where we probably shouldn't have been in it, mm-hmm. just because. My my defensive philosophy and what I've always believed, um, I learned it at Poca, is if you keep everything capped and you got to make them earn it, well they're eventually going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So like I look at the the, the Scott game, uh, which is the last game of the season, we shouldn't have been competitive in that one. I mean, talking to the refs after the game, they looked at us and said, "Well, we really didn't expect it to be a game." Mm-hmm. And what happened? Scott would take down, you know, chunk after chunk after chunk and march it down the field. The first drive they scored on us, they had to march it. It was like a 15-play drive. Oh, that's hard to do. Yeah, exactly. But from that point on, they started making mistakes. Um, And it's not coaching mistakes. It's, you know, things that happen all the time. You get a bobbled snap. uh, You accidentally lose the football. You get a fumble, stuff like that. And that kept us alive in the game when really it shouldn't have. And you look at the entire season, that happened – you know, pretty often teams have to march it down the field. That kind of became our motto was they have to earn it, make them earn it. Mm-hmm. So I took a lot of pride in that. Uh, deep shots weren't a big thing. That, that was one of the focuses in the offseason for me. 
was trying to limit the uh, the big shot, which I think that was a good thing going from cover four to cover one or cover one to cover four. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it just it limited that big shot, that deep play? Now, a few teams got it on us. Uh, Logan beat us 19 to nothing, um, and they got us on two deep shots. Really in one where, I mean, my gosh, I look at the film. We had four guys all around the guy that caught it. It was essentially like I'm looking at those guys. They're all basketball players. I'm like, man, like Mm -hmm. box out. Like, what are you doing? We had four defenders on two receivers, Mm -hmm. and they still caught it Mm -hmm. for a touchdown. So, I mean, it's just make or break stuff like that. But I think we played some really solid defense, um, emphasis on tackling this year. we had really good pursuit to the ball, which I thought I was worried about a little bit. Um, but I, I think our DBs did a good job, especially playing them over in that in that cover four shell, that two high shell. It gave them time to react to the short ball, come down and tackle it. So mm-hmm. it went really well. And like I said, it's super simple. I mean, the kids picked up on it, no problem. Um, they had one gap assignment, so my, my band at my end, which is my my, my vortex, mm-hmm. they were always B-gap responsible no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, my zero tech, I played him in a lag technique, mm-hmm. which meant wherever that uh, center stepped, he's going backside of it, and my strong or my willy, um, he knew that he had to go to the side that the center was stepping on and fit in that gap, mm-hmm. and they, they really did a good job of that, mm-hmm. so – it's awesome, man. Yeah. You know, I think as we we grow as coaches and as we go through different seasons, a lot of times it's just we have to do what works. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like what what <laughs> can like what gives us a chance to be uh, as successful as possible? So talk about. I mean, we we played some. We we were. I mean, we were three four, but different different flavor. We're more like three four slant sleep or three four slant angle uh, up here at. People have called it the 50 angles. That's just, you know, we, that's what we call it. Uh, we played some, some like soft two, which turns in the quarters. Some uh, didn't do a good job stopping the run. I mean, when we were in that. It was, it was hard for us. Uh, we played a lot more cover three. So we would roll the safety down uh, to the side of the, re- of the reduction. So whatever outside backers going, we're going to roll the safety down to it. And if we were bringing both, we're going to roll them down to the field. Right. Uh, and that helped us um, playing some, some three deep. Uh, and I think quarters is a good tool as well. How do you, like, if you get like pro personnel, how are you treating those safeties almost as box players because they have to come down and fit those extra gaps? I, I make sure they know their responsibility uh, for them. If I'm – and you know this and everyone that coaches football knows this. If you're counting on your DBs to make tackles, you're in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. So, I always taught them you know, your, your, your pass first, get your coverage, then make a read and try to fit that alley the best you can, get some help. And what I told them what they had to go out of success on was, you know, make the guys in front of you right. Mm. So, if you see my force player gets reached, which is that outside linebacker, will come down and fit outside. If you see he does a good job, um, you know, fitting that kick out, will then fit inside. You got to be smart enough to know where you fit in that scheme. Um, but yeah, man, we played. Uh, what helped us out a lot is we had, it was almost like a pseudo cover two look. Mm-hmm. Um, we played press quarters, press the corners down. 
mm-hmm. and they carried everything. They, they carried everything vertical. But what that helped with is they knew, I worked with my DBs enough to know that if we're getting like a smash concept, something like that, that corner can kind of float over top of it, read that quarterback, and always tell them, you know, read the front shoulder and see if the pin's out of the grenade. Right. So if that quarterback, that quarterback's pulling that ball back, that, that grenade's getting ready to go. So read that. And I, I think we had a few picks. Um, our boy Charles Robbins, one of the best kids I've ever coached, he had a pick against Polka because he read, he, mm-hmm. he sat short in the flood concept instead of carrying the vertical out. And I, I told the safeties, you know, if you see, if you see something like that, if you're seeing a smash concept, something like that, go ahead and look at. If, if number one stands short, go ahead and carry number two and carry him vertical. That way we can sit on that. Uh, we can sit on that and try to get a pick. And it, it worked for us several times. I think we picked off Poca. Um, we picked off Hoover because they, they ran a little flare route out of the backfield. And my, my corner, it was Charles again. He did a great job. Uh, he recognized it coming to him, sat down, saw the pin out of the grenade. Um, and I think the quarterback overthrew it a little bit right into his arms. Hmm. So working with those guys and really everything I do with defense, um, and we've talked about it before, it's, it's all about system over scheme. Mm-hmm. So and you, you put it exactly right. You, you do what works. So uh, we look at like, you know, Wayne County, stuff like that. Or not Wayne County, but Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at Winfield in our conference where you're getting that single wing, uh, wing T kind of looks, stuff like that. You got you don't really want to play a 3-4 against that. So I came into the season knowing I'm going to run a 3-4, but I have to be ready to adapt to whatever comes to us. So instead of boiling or really settling down and running a scheme, my kids understood we ran a system. Mm-hmm. So we went from 3-4 to a 5-3 in one week, and the kids had no problem picking it up. We played a 5-3 cover three behind it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. And what I did there, I mean, 3-4, um, to get into the 5-3, I had plenty of defensive linemen. Uh, we did a great job at defensive line this year, just subbed in two more, brought a linebacker out, um, brought, a, brought a DB out, mm-hmm. uh, and just played a cover three shell behind it. Mm-hmm. And they, it's all about being able to adapt um, and I think that shows coaching skill um, is being able to from week to week. I think too many guys get nailed down in a in a in a scheme where they're trying to make everything fit a three four, and they have different terminology for the different packages. the The goal for me is try to find the language where I can go from a three four to a five three to a four two five with no issues through mm-hmm. the season, and that that helped a lot this year. Um, it comes down to identifying your hybrid players. Um, like we had DBs that played linebackers this year. We had linebackers that played defensive linemen. Um, and there was a few times where we would get like a, if we had a team that ran a lot of mesh, a lot of uh, drag routes, stuff like that, I, I moved, a, I, I'd start a defensive lineman, my nose tech. I'd start him in a nose tech position, send a double A gap blitz and drop him to the middle of the field. That way the quarterback would read the double A coming, think he'll have the drag route, and all of a sudden I got I got big Mike Honcho sitting there in the middle of the field taking it away. And, man, we almost almost got one this year. So, 
That's awesome. I, I would have loved for my nose tech to get a pick. Yeah, man. Coach, will you t- turn me down your end because it's echoing just a little bit? Yeah. You're the man. Yeah. So I, how do you teach the nose to drop? I, I've seen that on like playbook stuff. What are you what are you, what are you like telling him to do, I guess? Well, I mean, it's kind of like you don't want to put too much thought into it because mm-hmm. that's like one of like uh, that's your back play back page uh, play that you have in your back pocket. So, I mean, I told him it's more or less because he's offensive lineman too. I said, think of it like a pass set. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't put a whole bunch of weight on your hand. Now, don't make it obvious what you're doing, but don't put a whole bunch of weight on your hand. And as soon as you see the ball snap, go ahead and get into a back pedal and sit down in the middle of the field and just keep your head on a swivel, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it was really – it's getting into the mind of the quarterback. And like I said, that's like a specialty play. That's not – I think I caught it like four times this year, if that. Mm-hmm. So what it does – I mean, in my mind, if we're getting a guy that's – reading pre-snap I wanted to show that double a gap coming he thinks he has middle of the field especially when you're getting that look I'm telling my two outside linebackers just play your normal coverage play curl flat I'm putting a lot of faith in that nose tech to drop back there and play middle of the field kind of that rack coverage so the idea there is trying to catch the quarterback off guard mess up his progression Mm -hmm. and plus we got we got two-man pressure coming through the a gap Mm -hmm. So that we're going to get some pressure there. Plus, I'm looking at the center. The center is thinking he's going to be picking up the two guys coming to him, or, or he's going to be picking up the nose and probably getting a step down from a guard, or they're going to go full slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, when you change up, the, the teams don't expect it, mm-hmm. uh, and it messes up the blocks. Absolutely. So it's not so much I trusted the nose tech to make to do a good job in coverage. It's I had a decent nose tech who I felt was semi-athletic enough to get back there just to make the quarterback mess up his progression and mess up the blocking scheme. Yeah, I've heard guys talk about if you're, like, drop D linemen, like, if if they're – like, when you send overload pressure, if they block you to drop. Mm-hmm. Like, I was looking at that. There's, like, a – I guess the – I mean, Bill Belichick invented everything on defense – but uh, you know him and save him. But like if they if they block you drop because they're sending you're sending overload, and so the guys that aren't blocked you're at the free runner and you can like get pressure rushing too because <laughs> yeah. if they're all up and coming and if they block you drop you get the rat guys and stuff. I think that's interesting. You have the guys that can do that, you know. Right. Um. So. In the Cardinal Conference, you see a lot of different offenses. You talk about having, you know, a system. Like, how do you develop that, though? So, like, what, like in the offseason, what are some things – who are people you're talking to? What are things that you're researching? Is it all based on the personnel you have, or are you trying to mold some guys into some different spots? I think it's all based on personnel. Like, the first thing I do, I sit there, I write down everyone um, – Mm-hmm. I write down all the players. I try to identify those hybrid players are the big difference makers because it's important. If you're going to have a system, you got to have pieces that you can move around. Uh, so, like I said, I had a DB that started out a DB. He ended up playing outside linebacker for me. Um, I had an outside linebacker move down to defensive line for the last game against Scott. Um, so it's just things like that. Um, it helps 
to keep the same terminology in whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So if you call your your strong side in the bandit and you move to a forefront, uh, depending on what you do, uh, just keep him labeled the same thing. That way he knows what he's doing and just tell him, make it as simple as you can. Okay. Well, you usually play in a four tech this week. You're going to play in a three tech, you know, and it's just bumping gaps down. Kids are a lot smarter than what we give them credit for. Um, if you keep things simple, I think too many coaches and you see it, I see it. Uh, everyone that's in coaching sees it. We get a little bit too much of an ego because we want to make things complicated. We go to a clinic, we learn some new stuff, and we want to be like that guy instead of focusing on what fits our kids. Um, but it's all about identifying those hybrid players and having rules. Um, so any given day, like if we we'd start out in the three front, if we get a tight end, we're going to roll a guy down. We're rolling that outside linebacker down. Mm-hmm. And he's going to play outside shoulder of that tight end. Now you're getting a forefront look because they brought one more guy onto the line of scrimmage. Um, so now you're really getting a four, three look. Now we had different, we changed week to week, whether that outside linebacker that's now playing uh, stand up end against that tight end, we had rules or we had game plan stuff. If he would still drop or if he would be a true force player defensive end on that side which either way he's still force player mm-hmm. um, so we would switch that up sometimes we drop him into coverage sometimes his main job if they liked using that tight end a lot was just to try to wall him in and lead him into uh, that strong side so he'd be leading him into my sammy mm-hmm. um, force him inside and we'll get coverage from there um, so it's i mean it's just about having rules they knew you know if uh if a team came out and double tight, all of a sudden now we're going to bump to our five front. Both outside linebackers are down on the line of scrimmage. We're playing a five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it would be a five-two look at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a package. I can't think of what team it was against um, where we'd auto-check to that five-three, um, cover three behind it. Mm-hmm. And it was when we'd come at when we would see – I can't remember what team it was now – um, when we would see like wing T stuff like that, we'd automatically check down into that, get a five, three look cover three behind it. Cause we knew we weren't going to get a very deep thread out of that. They wanted to run out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just having simple rules for them to identify it. And it gives us good looks. Now I have to be, I have to be, uh, involved in the game enough to recognize it myself, um, and see what's going on and check my call. I mean, of course they have. So if we go to the five, three, they have their base call of what they're supposed to do. It's just base gap assignments. Mm -hmm. But if I want to check to something, I have to have a system in place where I'm yelling it to the corner, corner relays it to the outside linebacker to his side, and we spread it across the field. Mm -hmm. So it's all about um, identifying hybrid players, making your system fit your kids and having base rules that fit for your system yeah i i've been at places before we were all auto checked mm-hmm. i mean if they came out in this we did that and we had i say all we had some some blitz calls right and some front calls but a lot of it like if they lined up in three by one we were in blank uh, yeah which makes you predictable but if they only do x and y out of that formation then you can kind of dictate where the ball 
goes to some some degree. And I, I think some colleges, you know, do that pro guys and definitely high schools. Well, if we'll auto check because most high school offenses, I mean, I think about our offense is one of the reasons why we don't have a ton of formations because I don't want to get stuck in in this formation. We only do right blank. So you know, like, hey, I just dial this up and they have no answer for that schematically. Now, I mean, the we have to execute and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But uh yeah, I think there's some there's definitely some in my mind, there's big a big reason to be kind of minimalistic as far as formations because it's for offensively, because yeah. defenses yeah. can you guys do your homework, right? So like if they're in three by one or two by two or this unique formation, they only run these plays. So what are your like what kind of offense? I don't I mean not spread or pro or wing T, but like what kind of offenses give you the most trouble as a defensive guy? So as far as preparation. Well, I think it <laughs> Teams that run stuff that you don't see every single day. Hmm. Um, if a team runs tackle over, now you have a five-minute session in practice of explaining how you defend tackle over. And there, there's times where you do want to replace. There's times where you don't. You don't want to establish a new center. Um, I, I think Wayne did a good job of that uh, this year. Um, a couple of teams we played ran that. I think and every single defensive coach in the world says it. The single wing is probably one of the hardest offenses to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it, 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 you have to sit down and make sure you have numbers everywhere and you're trying to get plus one mm-hmm. when there, there's really no chance to get plus one. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm thinking Wayne County, we played some cover three. Um, we, we played a lot of cover zero that night mm-hmm. just because we knew – um, we knew we needed guys into the box. Uh, same for Winfield. We played a lot of cover zero um, just because we needed guys to get in that box. Plus, it's nice. You never, like I said, you never count on your DBs making tackles. Mm-hmm. But if you can get them in a spot where they can, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Where If you're playing them, you know, cover zero, you're playing press quarters where they can work on getting off that block and getting the fit into the box, uh, it's going to help you out a lot. Um, I think it's – so, I mean, base run offenses like that are always going to be tough. Um, teams that run some not not gimmicky uh, not gimmicky uh, formations or plays, but they throw in those things that try to make you stay true. Like maybe they'll run uh, – maybe they'll run like quads, stuff like that. They'll run some empty. We saw a lot of empty this year. Um, I, I think it was because of the way we uh, we checked two trips, but that is what it is. Um, so it's teams. I think Clay County does a good job of that, uh, especially that, that Scott Ramsey that has their offense. Um, he, he runs a lot of good formations that kind of expose uh, expose what you're doing. Uh, same for uh, Hoover. Uh, I think Hoover does a good job of adjusting their splits. Mm-hmm. Some of the most difficult things you have to do is you have to look at what the offense is doing, look at what you're doing, and try to figure out the why behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So I, it's easy to it's easy to decide the what, but it's the why and the how that really trip a lot of people up, and it, it, I struggle with it sometimes. Um, it's why are they, you know, why are they condensing their splits here against this for or against this coverage? 
it's why why is the wide out um, sitting at the bottom of the numbers all the way on the sideline to the field? Why why is he all the way out there? Um, is there a way we can you know something in the system we can check to um, that gives us a better look um, that kind of counters what they do? Um, we had a lot of success this year. Uh, we we played some split field coverages. Mm-hmm. Um, we we played man to man when we got stuff like that like against Hoover. Um, when they would run like those wide splits where mm-hmm. it, it would be more or less impossible for that outside linebacker to cover the flat. We'd play uh, split field. So we're man to man to the field side. Mm-hmm. So that corner and that safety are down pressed. Uh, that outside linebacker knows he's trying to help with the slant. And then what, what you do, uh, what you do quarter side is you're, you're telling that, uh, you're telling your safety he covers everything that crosses face. Mm-hmm. So he has to carry it. Um, and we just – we had a lot of success doing that. So it's looking at what an offense is doing, um, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. And it's mm-hmm. all about knowing the counter to the counter. Um, I think, like I said, when we got – when teams saw, I think they saw how we played trips. So we played, uh, we played poach. Mm-hmm. So we'd be man to man backside to the single side receiver um, and play a quarters look to the trip side. You know, uh, corner responsible for number one vertical, uh, strong safety. He's responsible for number two vertical. Free safety sitting in the middle of the field looking at number three coming vertical. If he stays short, He's looking at the backside, seeing what's coming that side, if we're getting like post route, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think teams saw that we would check two man-to-man on that side, and they started running a lot of three-by-two empties at us, mm-hmm. which forced us to walk that outside linebacker out mm-hmm. um, and play man-to-man on that side. So, like I said, it's none the counter to the counter. So eventually, after a while, I started seeing that more and more often. Uh, so we started playing – uh, we started playing stress to it. Mm-hmm. So we're playing a true quarter shell over top of everything, um, which took a lot of the problems away because now they're not getting that man-to-man backside where they feel like they can run a short concept um, and a man beater to that side, whether it's slant, stuff like that, where they can think they can get an advantage on us. Now they're getting a true quarters look everywhere. And mm-hmm. It stopped them from pulling that outside linebacker out, which left me with a little bit lighter of a box than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Man, week in, week out in the Cardinal Conference this year, my gosh, I don't think we played a single, like, pocket passer type quarterback that wasn't going to run the ball. Um, and that, man, that caused a lot of issues. You talk about offenses that give defenses trouble. If you have a running quarterback, it, that opens the playbook up like you wouldn't believe. And now I have to be really cautious – you know, I, I can't give you a six-man box mm-hmm. because now you got everybody blocked and you're going to be rumbling for a big one with your quarterback. Um, I was really impressed with Logan's quarterback. I mean, my gosh, talk about a big kid. Um, I can get downhill. Same for Chapmanville's quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, just week in, week out, the quarterbacks were just absolute studs that could run the ball and throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big challenge this year. Um I mean, really big challenge. I think that – and we've talked about that before um, when we worked together at Nitro. Yeah, if you can get a quarterback that can roll, you got a quarterback that can tuck the ball and take off running, it, it really puts the defense in a bad spot. 
um, because now you have to be wary about the pass, the running back run, and the quarterback run. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I was just trying to think my first two stops as the head coach. Our quarterbacks were mobile guys. Our guy here could, can be. I think we're, we're something we're going to work on um, with him. We were all under center last year. Uh, you know, but one of the things about being under center pro personnel or, you know, power eye personnel is you can dictate really coverages and fronts, and we got to do a better job, you know, throwing and catching the ball. Uh, you know, that's on me. I'm the quarterback coach. Um, but – it limits look. So I think of like coaching all like coaching offense. If I can dictate what you're going to be in, then I know I, I only have to carry a certain amount of concept. So, mm-hmm. you know, versus 21 personnel or golly, 31 personnel. Uh, if you're in cover two, I'm just going to keep running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in quarters, I'm going to try to take a shot outside, right? Cover three, you have your three beaters man right it's a matchup thing or you've got your your boot game right your play action game uh you know so looking at it from an offensive perspective you know it's spread that's the basic idea of the spread too you can, you can only see so many looks you know what are people going to do to try to stop that now if you could play cover zero versus spread i think the spread is dead uh if you can just man them dudes up mm-hmm. <laughs> i used i taught a guy who who's a really good spread coach. And that's one thing he used to always dread, especially at the high school level, because you don't get to recruit those guys um, is they can just lock you up, load the box and say, your night's over. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I hope you can run, run, run the ball, run the queue or win some matchups. Cause you can't win the matchups outside. You might as well pack it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but if, like you said, if you could run the quarterback, you can always run the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you can run that guy. You always have a, always have a shot, but you know, not everybody has that. Not everybody has a guy like a, like a Trevor Lowe, you know what I mean? Like a guy that can tuck it and go or Mark sites, um, you know, but yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. So talk about your steps going forward. If you don't mind kind of where you're at, what you're looking to do and all that, all that kind of stuff, my friend. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I call it, I'm a free agent right now. Um, so looking for a home, looking for a school to coach at, I guess I can put my information out there. Um, so really looking for, uh, I'd love to be in a coordinator or head coaching position. Um, so yeah, man, just looking for a place um, certified in English, uh, secondary English and multi-category uh, special ed. So really just looking for a home right now. I mean, it's all, like I said, I've never been in a spot where I wasn't coaching the next year. I didn't know if I would be coaching anywhere. Um, so right now it's it's learning everything I can. Um, and I think Twitter is one of the best tools in the world if you know how to use it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so following guys like, you know, Cody Alexander, uh, Tony Schiffman, uh, Coach Blazer puts out some wild stuff every now and then, but he's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Maines is is a is a young DC uh, that he he puts out a lot of good stuff, and then you follow like the Blue Bloods and start looking at their clinics. Like you're looking at like Saban, you're looking at uh, Malzahn, you're looking at uh, you know all those guys that have been in it for a while that you're looking at 
and trying to break down their stuff and look at it and try to see if you can take the college stuff and translate it to a simpler language to make it fit and work for high school athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big thing I'm trying to work on right now. Um, but yeah, just keeping ears and eyes open, see what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I never, like you look at coaching when I first got into coaching, it was, you know, I love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, football made a big difference in me. Uh, I got to play for two years. Um, you know, I still talk to my head coach in high school. I mean, usually every other day he'll call me, we'll talk to each other for a while. Um, that's been really nice being able to talk to the guys that, you know, I still look up to, but those guys I used to look at and be like, my gosh, how do you know so much football now? I'm able to talk to those guys, learn from those guys, break stuff down with those guys. So it's been interesting uh, just trying to learn from everything. But when you first get into coaching, or at least for me, I think a lot of young coaches are looking at it like they want to compete. Um, They want to go out, win games, stuff like that. And people, I've gotten weird looks, man, I don't, it's not wins and losses for me, you know, like I've told kids before, you know, when I look at it, it's not wins and losses. I've lost 37 games straight at one point in my life. Mm -hmm. So wins and losses don't matter to me. It's how much I can help a kid, help them or impact a kid, help them learn lessons. And I know I'm a young coach. I still got a ton to learn. But as much as I can help a kid out, I'm going to do that. Um, I think being a young coach helps me do that because I can look at these kids. I can I fresh. I'm freshly remembering everything that they're going through, some of the things that they're seeing day to day. Um, It's it's not wins and losses for me. It's how much I can help a kid out. Um, And that helps you in, in seasons where a lot of things aren't going your way on the record book. You know, I I look at it, you know, we won one game this year, but every single day I got to be around those kids for two to three hours. And every day I'd ask myself, man, how am I making a positive impact for these kids, both as their coach, you know, trying to teach them football and as a mentor, how am I helping them out with grades? How am I helping them out, uh, set themselves up for life? Uh, Am I helping them process some things that are going on off the field? Um, am I being, you know, everything that a coach should be? Am I being a friend, um, a confident, uh, someone that's they're able to come to and talk to and talk through some problems with? Mm-hmm. So at its core, and that's one thing that's helped me when I when I resigned at Nitro. That, that's one of the big things that I was struggling with was those kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I care deeply about those kids. And I think they know that. Um, And every single one of them I talk to, I tell them, you know, man, I care about you guys. I don't want you to think I don't. That's not why I resign, stuff like that. So I think that's, that's, that's the big focus going forward. Um, Trying to get more resources of how to help kids, both as athletes. Um, I need to spend more time looking at like strength conditioning, stuff like that. Um, and helping them mentally, helping them uh, through their emotions, things like that. So, I mean, you see it every single day. We're in West Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. the heart of the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing it more and more um, every single year. Uh, 
kind of the the impact that comes along with that you know kids not living not living at home not seeing their parents or maybe one parent or and there's nothing I don't want it to sound like I was talking bad about you know single parent households but it changes the the dynamic Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these kids, they don't go home and see dad. So we as coaches, I mean, it's kind of a higher calling. Uh, we get to step into that role. I mean, it's a blessing in a lot of ways. And like I said, I know I'm a young coach, but it's a blessing to step in and help them through coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just wins and losses. It's, you know, giving kids rides home. It's, it's, you know, stopping at McDonald's on the way home just because you know that they need something to eat. You want to make sure they're eating when they get home, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a focus going forward. Um, it's trying to help kids out as much as I can, get resources, whether that's, you know, I'm a head coach somewhere, that, that's the goal, that's the dream. Whether I'm, you know, a youth league water boy, mm-hmm. that's the goal, that's the dream is to help kids out. So, mm. Coach. That's awesome, man. You're first class. Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Your wisdom is always welcome. And, uh, man, you are you're top notch. I know that you will land somewhere. Uh, that's, that's right for you, my friend. I appreciate that.